Hello, and welcome back to The Director's Cut, brought to you by the Directors Guild of America, where each episode we bring you a new interview with one of the film industry's top directors conducted by one of their peers. You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or our SoundCloud page at soundcloud.com slash the director's cut. This episode takes us behind the scenes of director Karen Kusama's psychological thriller, The Invitation. The film follows estranged couple Will and Eden as they reunite at a dinner party two years after their divorce following the death of their son. Though as the party continues, Will can't shake the feeling that Eden and her friends may have a mysterious and terrifying agenda for their guests. After a recent screening of the film at the DGA Theater in Los Angeles, Ms. Kusama spoke with Poltergeist director Gil Keenan about making the invitation. Listen on for highlights from their conversation, including a look into Ms. Kusama's implementation of sound and music in the film, the challenges of shooting in only one location, and the influence that Los Angeles had on making the film. Enjoy. Um, hi, Karin. Hello. Um, I love this movie. I wanted to just say that right off the bat. Congratulations. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Cool. Um, so tonight was my second night seeing the film in a theater, which is great. I think this is exactly the way you should see this kind of film. I feel like it's a it's an audience exchange. And I, I found it really interesting. I thought that um, I, I picked up on different cues right off the bat with this crowd. I think that... Um, it was it was interesting to feel the energy in the room. Uh, the tension started, uh, I feel like, quicker and more more directly, and 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 there were more laughs, which I think made the film scarier. Uh, and I'm curious for you, having seen the film now with various audiences around the world, um, if there's a moment when you're watching it when you know you've got them, uh, is do you, is there a moment where you feel like this is going to work on this group? Um, it's, it's so hard to say. And I, and I do think audiences are so strangely can be so different from room to room and from city to city. There's so much uh, from hour to hour, even I, I just feel like that's the sort of beauty of putting movies in front of a lot of people in the dark, um, in theaters, you just don't know what to expect. I, I generally feel like the film is working if people are completely still. Um, you know, when I look out and I see like no one really moving, yeah. I I feel like somehow the mystery of what's going on in the audience's mind is sort of mirroring what I hope is the mystery of the film. Cool. And so, from what you saw tonight, how do you how do you rate this group? <laughs> <laughs> it it. I mean, um, to be honest, I only came in just to sort of check in on the the picture and sound quality, which was top notch. Um, and I'm so happy to be able to show the film in this environment, by the way. Um, but it seemed like it's, it seemed like people were held by it. I don't, I, you know, again, it's so different from, yeah. film, from film to film. I mean, screening to screening. Cool. Well, I'm, I'm really excited to talk about this. I feel like there's, there's a lot that I just want to know as a fan. Mm. I mean, first of all, I think you know, uh, it's it's great that you've finally made a film that exposes the Hollywood dinner party circuit for <laughs> <laughs> for 
for what it what all what of its, it really yeah, is all of its evils <laughs> um but i'm I, I think there's such a great story behind how this film came together and and uh i i know it because we've talked about it but I, i'd love for you to just share the 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 genesis of this film where the script came from in particular and then how you sort of built the film out from there mm-hmm. um well my husband is one of the screenwriters phil hay and his uh partner matt manfredi uh, they had been kind of gestating with this idea for a long time. I think, um, for whatever reason, the th- the three of us have collectively uh, experienced, I would say, too much untimely loss, and uh, it's something that has shaped my personality, uh, certainly, and uh, helped me to sort of grow, and I, I hope mature, but all of us have talked over the years about what it means to not grow or to transform in a very um, distorted way from loss. And I think they were just really interested in exploring this idea of knowing someone or thinking you know someone in a very deep, loving way and having them go away and come back almost um, a stranger. And, And thinking of films that we all collectively love, like Repulsion or Invasion of the Body Snatchers, the I mean all of them, all of the versions, but particularly Philip Kaufman's, um, it, and then thinking about all these paranoid thrillers of the '70s that have a very sp- sort of special feel and look, um, I think that's where that story originally came from for them. Right. Uh, and for me, I just feel like having moved to LA now about twelve years ago, I'm still. Um, I'm still really struck by the mystery of this place, the mysteries of um, any kind of city or or place that that promises reinvention and and sort of allows for this idea that I mean people make pilgrimages to this city to become new people, kind of literally and figuratively, or or become the person they think they need to be, and I just thought that would be so interesting to to actually get an opportunity to make a movie here in LA um because we made it for such a low number that it we could actually stay here um to actually kind of investigate the place i'm living in so this is your LA film i mean this is it really is, is. i mean i i um i i I'm, which isn't to say that we couldn't have made the movie in other cities or in other places but the anxieties of the film around social decorum around um kind of keeping it together not getting out of line not saying the offensive but true thing uh, feels very particular to Los Angeles and 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 I want to say particular to Hollywood and so in some respects this is also a little bit of a metaphor for me about um what it means to feel like people are out to get you when sometimes they are. And, and, and so I, you know, for me, this was a a cathartic, a very cathartic way to handle some of that anxiety because I think I, I, I think this is a, an industry that breeds it. And so it was very interesting to make a movie that was very viscerally about that paranoia. Yeah. I think that really comes across. And I, I feel like, um, a current that really came out to the surface watching it this time was, 
sort of Will's dislocation mm-hmm. in his own house. And mm-hmm. now it makes sense when when I, I think of it through the filter of you as a transplant um, mm-hmm. coming into a place that's still supposed to be familiar home, but is still, yeah. but it's such a, you know, such a battle, such a battlefield. <laughs> um, I think, I think that, that, that's great. Um, I'm, I'm curious about the, the practical process. I mean, we all, uh, we all hear about the, um, you know, the, the challenges of creating an independent film. And I think you've managed to put together something that's so accomplished and feels so, uh, sort of carefully put together. Um, I'm curious about, um, how you've brought your experiences on your prior films into planning this so that on the, um, the budget that you had, you were able to create something that felt so, um, so well realized. Oh, wow. Thank you. I, that's, a uh, really nice thing to say. I, I definitely feel thankful that I have made some films before this, and um, one of them was another million-dollar movie, just like this one was, and two of the other two were bigger studio films of, of varied budgets. Um, you know, for me, I'm always trying to find a kind of creative economy, and when I say that, I mean a sense of purpose. And I, I think what's interesting about making films in the studio system is you go into it with that idea oftentimes, but it, it's, it's very easily, um, kind of just mucked up by the, the process itself, by all of the people within the process that you have to sort of answer to, all of the voices you have to be absorbing. And so in some ways for me, this felt like a return to just simply what I've always wanted to do, which is even with very limited resources that I, I don't wish on myself will be the only way I make movies. I mean, it, it's, it's just too hard. Um, but that being said, there is something about having a sense that I want to apply a kind of degree of, of, of purposefulness and thoughtfulness to the filmmaking and to, to have the opportunity to have s- sort of so little time and so little money that the decisions have to be very clear. Right. So, um, you know, I was lucky in some ways to have it take so long to get this movie made. How, how long did it take? It was years. I mean, it, 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 um, it's so funny because I always assume every movie that it's going to be an easier road than the last one, which is, you know, my self-protective way of not just jumping off a cliff I suppose but I think with this film I assumed oh it's it's ultimately a genre film it people will flock to finance it and they just didn't I mean it took a long time to find the right partners um so I would say it was five years or you know in in after making Jennifer's body it was it was a good chunk of time um, and, and I, I feel like, uh, the choices that you made about where to place your, uh, your energy in, in the filmmaking mm. really pay off. It feels like the, the tension in particular is something that's, that at least for, for me as an audience member feels really well calibrated. Mm. Um, it feels like there is that sort of clear alarm at the beginning with the coyote strike, which mm-hmm. plays really well. I think it's a, 
it's a really terrifying moment and super um, relatable <laughs> for anyone living in the hills. And uh, and and I, I'm I'm curious about the, the the sort of mechanical process of putting the film together because obviously there are uh, there are things that could be on the page that can speak to the idea of the tension tightening or 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 you know getting wound up. But but a lot of times these are matters that um, are dictated by the movement of the camera or the or the pacing of the actors in a particular shot and then of course in the cutting of a scene and mm -hmm. the and the the music work and, and mm -hmm. I'm, I'm i'm curious about the the planning process that mm -hmm. you brought it brought to bear um i mean for me it 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 was interesting because i i didn't have all of my cast in one place to rehearse them until two days before we were to, to start shooting so I had a two-day rehearsal period with them um, that was crucial inside the house. Oh, we prepped inside the house. So we, we, you know, we had a, a fast prep, but we were able to be kind of living in the space and seeing how the designer was able to shift things so that they were just a little bit um, more more what I needed because we were in a very raw space actually. Can you give an example of that? How the designer um, moved? There was no color whatsoever in the house. And... Um, I just, I feel like part of what the movie is grappling with is the seduction and the sort of false promises of beauty. And I really wanted the space to feel lived in and feel like real people lived there, but to feel cared, like to feel like the sense of the surfaces had been cared for. Um, and in fact, it was kind of an old, you know, sort of house from the early 70s that hadn't been taken care of all that well in terms of some of its surfaces. So we had to spiff it up a bit and add, take away quite a bit, add quite a bit, um, create greens outside, create, you know, just kind of create space in that outs outside area. Um, and we just sort of had to reconceive the script to the space because we, we knew with our budget, we were going to shoot the whole movie in that house, you know, come hell or high water. So we actually had to walk through every single scene even before the cast came on board in its entirety for re the rehearsal period, we had to actually really think through, knowing we only had 20 days to shoot it, how are we staging right. all of this? And, and, and I think that's the biggest mechanical challenge of the film for me was moving from the conception of, of feelings and sort of tonal shifts that I knew I wanted to arrive at and then actually realizing it with 12 actors in a room. And, and that was the biggest thing is like, you have 12 actors. We want to give everybody, we want to give the, the, the editing process enough choices to shape a movie. But by the same token, we ultimately don't have time to get coverage for 12 different actors. We really have to choose who we're connected to from moment to moment. And so that was a really interesting thing for me to be able to say, I don't really care about this character right now. I need to be, I need to be focused on this. And, and, and all of a sudden having to make the switch into, I actually have to check back in right. with this person because it needs to still feel like it has the texture of a real night. Well, it's interesting because I, I think that, uh, that, um, I think that that's really helped by how, anchored you are on Will's perception of the night, right? Because uh, really what, what you end up putting on screen is wherever his attention drifts yes. or, or is drawn. 
So that, that gives you a, a, a tool to narrow the focus of your coverage or Absolutely. your Absolutely. And he really was the anchor in terms of our point of view. And it was very important, I think, for the film to work tonally that we be largely in his point of view. But I also think the only way we can question him or question his sanity um, comes from taking a step back and having a slightly more, I want to say, neutral position on on how we see the evening, as if to sort of give the audience a, a, a moment of um, of kind of being let in on a reality that maybe Will isn't seeing. Right. You know, right. um, it's it's interesting when you when you mention bringing the group together for those two days of rehearsal because I, I wonder how that ends up informing scenes that um, are supposed to feel like there is a, a sort of awkwardness to the group just diving into this strange situation. Mm -hmm. In some ways, did you feel like you wanted to kind of hold back on them getting too familiar too quickly? Or did it feel like that was a necessary, it, it was necessary for there to be some shorthands between the, the various characters? You know, um, it's funny. I, I think in some, some ways it was so much more for me about having the time in which, yes, the clock is running, but the cameras aren't. And we can just play around and make mistakes and, and, and rehearse big chunks of scenes that go on for 15 minutes and say, wow, you know what? Actually, this is totally going to the wrong place. Let's back up, start over. And, and sort of, you, you don't feel that freedom or I don't when I'm when I'm actually in production. I think you you have to have a pretty strong sense of where you're headed while you're shooting, or at least I knew I did for this shoot. And so for me, it was actually more. It was less about everybody getting to know each other, although that became a funny and and helpful byproduct of the process. It was more for me about the choreography of the night mm -hmm. and um, and feeling like I had control over where everyone was going, where everyone, you know, sort of just having a sense of the movement of the evening. Because um, I think that's a big part of making a film like like this that's so tethered um, and you could argue sort of trapped and potentially weight, weighted down by its one location. Um, I wanted to have the opportunity to to craft the night so that the audience doesn't feel I, I either claustrophobic at the wrong moment or disengaged. I, I love moments where you open the house up in, in very specific ways. There's mm -hmm. there's one shot that um, that stuck out to me where um, I think it's David um, starts speaking and the camera tilts up and we see that there's that uh, upstairs area yes. right above the mm -hmm. living room. Yeah, it feels like first of all that's. A, you know, that's a very specific kind of Los Angeles 70s yes. house layout. And I yeah. think it really, really speaks to the place. But um, it also, I think, is a um, is a reflection of how you have taken us and and will um, uh, through the house kind of piece by piece and uh -huh. opened it up. And obviously that becomes a very important stage in, in the second half of the film. I'm curious about the casting process for for the house and and mm. whether you um you know uh, whether scenes uh, evolved because of the environment because you were so fixed it, it did evolve i mean i had never um it hadn't been written to be a multi-level home um it it was meant to be more sort of long and sprawling so there was a sense of of moving through a warren and 
the the two levels and the odd sort of addition of something like um, a screening room um, meant we had to sort of wrap our heads around this, like sort of what does this say about characters, you know, if they have an official screening room. And we had always known that Eden was meant to be the 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 well-off of the couple um, when she was with Will and that uh, we, we, always, we always understood that, but this sort of took it to a different place somehow, that detail. Um, but I felt there was something kind of stark and interesting about that final confrontation with Pruitt happening against a blank screen um, just because it, it, I don't know, it, it felt somehow appropriate to me. Yeah, I, I love Pruitt. I think you, you got a hell of a performance. Thank you. Uh, it's a wonderful actor. Yeah. And I, I feel like you've got a real sort of spin-off potential for the Margaret and uh, Pruitt story. That story he tells about his wife is like <laughs> really sticking with me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you know, all it, all it takes is one false move. And, <laughs> um, yep. so, um, so something else that, uh, that I, I think is a, perhaps a byproduct of the way you made the film, but, but ends up really, uh, becoming a part of why the thing is so terrifying mm-hmm. is how, um, how quiet the film is mm-hmm. for for so for so long, and it, I think it does two things for me as a, as an audience member. I, I felt a, a real um, first an awkwardness uh, mm-hmm. when when we arrive in the house. I mentioned that earlier in the group dynamic, but it really came out to me today. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, uh, and and second of all, I think that it, it gives uh, it gives the opportunity for when um, moments do jolt us mm-hmm. from it. Um, you know, whether it's the slap or mm-hmm. the first gunshot or the mm-hmm. car crash, um, to, to be that much more effective. And, I, and I'm, I'm curious about your sound process, whether these are um, sound collaborators you've worked with before and also how much of that um, was was part of your planning of, of making the film. Um, I think, you know, it's funny because with 12 characters that are supposed to be in a dinner party, you know, one of the most sort of technically... Uh, it's like the thing that no one wants to have to do, like just record Wallace. No one wants to do that. But actually, um, it's a great way, I found it became a great way to sort of um, just record the audio of a rehearsal and 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 or record improv exercises. And so we started doing that sort of every other day with groups of characters so that we could be building in that sort of quiet, bubbling thing that happens among in a dinner party where people are having alternate, you know, small kind of isolated conversations, islands of conversation. And then in terms of sound, I mean, I, you know, I feel like sound is, 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 it's truly half the story, um, of cinema and for me, and I think there's so much possibility there. And so I, I had not worked with Philip Blackford, the designer, but I was very clear, I think in wanting, um, a sort of a, a soundscape that kind of makes you lean in. Um, and so I think that that's, you know, it's sort of isolating certain sounds and, and playing with that. And then also playing with a score that's a bit destabilizing, you know, that doesn't really sort of um, grant the audience a comfortable melody ever, uh, almost ever. So, I, yeah, I mean, I always knew... For me, you know, like I sort of feel like you make your film when you're prepping it and then you may make it again when you're shooting it and then you really make it when you're cutting it. And did it evolve in the cut? Did you find that there were currents that needed to be sort of 
brought up? Were there things that you ended up um, taking out? Uh, and actually, because of the scale of the film and the, and the budget you mentioned you worked with, were you able to put the thing up in front of in front of groups of audience? Yeah, we were able to screen it um, f- about five, four or five times, and and a lot of times it would be small screenings with just four or five people. Um, occasionally, it was with a bigger audience, but it's hard. I mean with this kind of movie where you can't even really afford a screening room and you're just, you know, begging your agency to like slot you in at two fifteen in the afternoon on Thursday or whatever, you're, you know, you're sort of beholden to your resources. But, um, I felt like, you know, the one thing that I think is hard with indies is you don't get to see your film big enough. Um, you don't get to screen it with an audience enough in a big room um, and see it big and hear it big. Um, but that being said, you know, we did look at the film with an eye toward both maintaining the sense of a real evening, maintaining the sense of an unfolding of the evening, but also trying to sort of pull away the stuff that sort of just allows you to check out um a little too much or allows you to disengage with the characters. It, it's a very fine balance because the slow burn structure is is demanding of an audience and not everybody um, not everybody wants that when they go to the movies. I don't you know, but that's exactly what I appreciated about the script. Right. Yeah, I think I think that uh, also uh, puts an onus on the casting because it means that you're going to be looking at these people up close for a long time while you're waiting for the top to blow off the thing. Yeah. And um, so um, uh, I'm, I'm, I'd like to go back to this um, to the theme that you brought up early on, the idea of loss and grief and how how the film um, explores that. Uh, and I'm I'm curious about Will's journey and um, and uh, the idea that uh, because he's as um, he's he's as wounded as uh, as Eden or any of the other characters in in the house. Did you ever um, did you ever in your conversations uh, with the actor who who played him um, discuss the idea that he would be susceptible? to the to the to the charms of the invitation. Oh, for sure. I mean, um, you know, that scene where he finds the video is uh, is meant to play with a kind of mystery. I don't know if it succeeds, but it's meant to have a sort of kind of out of reality sort of seduction in 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 him sort of just finding it so conveniently and um sort of feeling like he's being spoken to so directly. I think that's where the film starts to sort of move away from naturalistic language. Uh, although, I mean, the whole movie, all movies move away from naturalistic language once they become movies, but um, even when they're naturalistic. Um, but I, 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 it was important to me that he seemed broken enough mm-hmm. at that point that there was something... Um, so unpredictable about him that we weren't quite sure where he might not not just will he be the agent of change right. but um is he susceptible in fact to these kind of um toxic ideas it's it's also i i think it's also really effective that as a character he's responsible for most of the bloodshed in the first you know in in the first few instances that yeah. that lives are lost in the film or at least that blood is shed so i think i think that that um that 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 
creates sort of un, unsteady ground under him. Mm -hmm. Did did you have those videotapes there on set for the actors to watch? We did. We we uh, actually filmed those very the very first day so that we and you know frantically cut them together in some kind of you know um, comp you know some some kind of sen sensible direction uh and and it just gave those videos gave like for instance when the group is watching the video they are actually seeing it for the first time oh, that's great so you had the camera there to capture their reaction yes yeah and and it was really worth worth it for me just to have a wide shot where everyone kind of is literally leaning in trying to see what that little computer screen is doing. Yeah, it's actually, it's interesting because I, I did um, pick up on the fact that you hold on their reactions um, independent of any judgment mm -hmm. for quite a while in that scene. And, and I feel like if that was something that they had trained or were looking at a, you know, at a blue computer screen that would be comped later, yeah. I feel like the, the performer's instinct would be to have a more sort yeah. of direct reaction. Yeah, and I, I mean, to me, I always encourage the actors who whose characters it felt the most natural to to be non-judgmental. I actually did encourage that because I think there are some people in the group, part of what the movie is investigating is uh, to what degree do we get involved in other people's lives, whether it's the beliefs they hold or the direction they want to take their life. Um, at what point do we step back and at what point do we involve ourselves for good and for ill? Cool. Well, Karin, I really want to thank you for making um, a film that is now twice um, terrified me in a, in a darkened movie theater. And um, I, I can't wait to see your next film. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, everybody. Thanks for listening to this DGA Q&A. You can watch video of all our Q&As from the previous award season on our website or our YouTube channel. And stay subscribed to The Director's Cut for more Q&As and highlights from other DGA events, as well as selections from our archive. Also on our website, you can explore our visual history program with long-form oral history interviews that delve deep into the careers of veteran DGA members. Check out the program at dga.org slash crafts slash visual history if you're enjoying the director's cut please subscribe to it on itunes or our soundcloud page so you won't miss an episode and leave us a review we'd love to hear your feedback we hope you hear from us soon this podcast is produced by the directors guild of america music is by dan wally